Welcome back to Model Parenting Podcast. Once again, I do want to remind you that we are not model parents. I am Farah Isbell. And I'm David Isbell. Episode two. Episode two. We made it two whole episodes. Yes. So far. <laughs> well, um, we haven't made it through the second one. <laughs> I haven't made it through the second. Hopefully, you listened to the first one. If you didn't, you can go back and listen to that one. Um, this is our disclaimer episode. Um, we're not going to talk much about necessarily building the model and, and moving the, the uh, ball down the court, as people would say. Um, we're going to talk more about um, the work that, that this is that this requires. Effort. I like effort. effort. I think effort's probably better than work. Because um, one of the things Farron and I have said over time, what we do um, in our model is extremely simple, but, but it's, it's not, not easy. easy. So we we put in a lot of effort to do the things we do. It's very simple things. It's not stuff that that we're recreating the wheel a bunch of times. It's just very repetitive, very mundane, very extremely repetitive. Extremely repetitive. Um, as Farron and I were talking about this, getting getting ready for the podcast. One of the things that she brought up was how she interacts with our kids and their toys. So she she puts some of them up, right? Yes, I do. And I have a, a background in speech language pathology, and one of the things they taught us in school was how having some of their toys put up where they could see it but not reach it, and they had to ask for help, increased their need for communication and um their practice of communication. And so I implemented that when I became a parent and I had told so many parents before I became a parent, you know, just the benefits of this or whatever. And then when I started to live in it on the daily, I was like, Oh my goodness, I am in the middle of washing dishes or, you know, doing someone's hair or brushing teeth. And I can't just get that right now. And it's, kind of it, it can be very repetitive very mundane and very interruptive to your life but then as I begin to to focus more like David and I've said we've we've tried to keep that model ahead of us and focus on it and just pray God what what is it about this that imitates your relationship with us I realized that I was really building trust because when they would ask for help and I would give them assistance in getting something down, they knew that would just reinforce that, that trust. And then as they got bigger and I did have to say, you have to hold on just a minute for me to, to get that thing down. Then I was helping them have practice with patience, all of which is more towards that end goal, that end model, like we talked about in the first episode. So when it wasn't about me getting the back you're going down yeah. or the <laughs> or those little fuzzy the kung zoo oh my goodness the kung zoo when it Hopefully wasn't never had to deal with kung when zoo. it was about trust or patience or the fact to let them know that i was listening to them when it when that was what i was doing that was the goal that i was doing it was much easier to motivate myself to follow through and do that when i knew the end goal was more of that relational connection Right, than just it's that a very toy. simple concept. Very like, I'm going to put toys up to facilitate some of their communication. Toys. Right. Some Not of their toys of are down to, right. to facilitate independence, but some of their toys are up to promote communication. Communication, right. It's a very simple concept. 
but, but it's not easy, easy. <laughs> because you don't there's times you don't want to do it fair no. i'd be in a, in a conversation about something and we're working on something we're paying bills and they're like hey i need you to get this down i mean even today our, our 10 year old daughter there's things that are up above in her closet that she can't reach and fair and i'll be in the middle of something and she'll say hey can you come get this down and now it's reversed, and my boys are six feet tall. <laughs> and things that used to be Farrah in my is not kitchen. Six feet tall. For those of you who don't know her, um, she's barely scraping five two. <laughs> yeah, they have significant inches on me. But I have put things in our kitchen up higher, so that I have to ask for help now, and they are now the ones that that can that can come, and and I have to practice my patience because. They can't always get it down right when I want to, but it forces us to interact in our daily living. Right. So simple, not easy. Simple, not easy. That's, that's, that's a, our disclaimer. That's the disclaimer. So part of what I wanted to start off here with is as a parent, and and before I, I tell you this, I'm going to tell you my authority in which I do tell you this <laughs> statement, Okay. And it's very similar to back when I was growing up when I was a kid, there was a very poorly animated television commercial for the Tootsie Pop, little Tootsie Roll Pop, right? It's got Tootsie Roll in the middle, a harder out of candy shell. And some of you guys that are, are older like us may remember this commercial, but there's a boy walking around asking these different animals, hey, how many licks does it take to get to the center of a Tootsie Roll Pop? And he goes to all these animals like, I don't know, I haven't tried, never got that far, blah, blah, blah. And then I think he goes to a crocodile or an alligator or something. He goes, hey, ask the owl. Because the owl knows everything. He's smart. He's super wise. So the little boy goes to the, to the owl, repeats his question, how many licks does it take to get to the center of a Tootsie Roll Pop? And the, the owl says, hey, let's find out. And so he grabs the Tootsie Roll Pop, unwraps it, and starts to lick it. He licks it. And he goes, one, two, three, crunch. Then he bites it and bites the whole sucker off and hands the boy back an empty stick and says, it takes three. So that's the authority that I have when I tell you what I'm about to tell you. How many years? How many years does it take? Of effort. <laughs> of effort to parent your child. And I'm going to tell you, it takes at least, at a minimum, it takes 10 years. Okay? Some of you guys are just like, oh, my gosh, 10 years. With, with younger kids, it's like, 10 years? Are you kidding me? That's terrible. But with older kids, you're like, 10 years? That's it? Man, I got nothing but time. So it, where, where you're at on the spectrum of children may have something to do with how hard you have to work. Now, I'm telling you, 10 years is the minimum. Per child. Per child. Okay. Now, some of those are going to overlap, like our boys are 22 months apart, so some of our 10 years overlaps, and, and we're parenting some of the same things through those 10 years, right? They're dealing with some of the same issues, but our daughter, who is five years younger than our, our youngest child, our youngest boy, the, we, we kind of reset some of those years, and we've got to do some of that work again and some of that hard work again. So um, understand that 10 years is the minimum, and, and how it plays out in your children is, is how your family's structured. But here's the great news about it, and here's why I'm telling you this is you get to pick the 10 years. It is impossible to avoid a minimum of 10 years of really hard work of a lot of effort in parenting. You have to do it, but you get to pick the 10 years. So if you parent your children, you put a lot of, a lot of that effort and energy in when they're young and when they're little, they're malleable and they can change and they can understand and grow and they can move towards if you've got a model, they can move towards that model and grow in that direction you want them to grow. And that, that's going to make those later years a little easier because you put in the time. If, if you don't, and you just kind of let them do what they do and they, they that go. that path of least resistance. The path of, we call it the path of water because um, water takes path of least resistance. So, hey, we're being water. 
Uh, you may hear that phrase on the podcast at some point, but um, if you take the path of least resistance as they're younger, then when they get older, it's going to be really hard because they're more uh, a guy I work for says it's like they're concrete then, and you're trying to chip away concrete rather than the malleable early stages of when you can can kind of make them fit the mold of what you have. Um, but if you don't do it even in their teen years and they get into their 20s, then the decisions that they're making and the, the relationship that you have really isn't what you want it to be, and it's really hard. really hard. And they start making, and we have seen and sat with multiple parents and families who are going through significant crisis because their kids are making some decisions that really hurt, and it's a really a struggle. And sometimes kids make those decisions even when you have the model um, because they're human. But it goes back to what we talked about in that first episode. If they believe they can talk to you, it just it, it helps. Right. So, again, the, the work is what we're talking about, the effort that you're going to have to put in that 10 years. You get to pick the 10 years. It's, it's younger, older. If you do it when they're in their 30s and 40s, it's really hard. And you're coming in and maybe having to, to save some things that you never wanted to do. Um, so just understand, you're going to have to work hard as a parent at some point. It is inevitable. If you're listening to this podcast, you're probably already doing a lot of work with your kids. Exactly. Motivated. Hopefully what we're going to be able to do is help you sharpen that focus and be more intentional with your kids and make and work smarter, not harder. So hopefully we can help steer some of that effort so that you can see um, the the results in those later years in their teen years and those kind of things so that you can um, grow your kids the direction that you want to grow. So, and I do want to interject. David said smarter, not harder. I saw this funny little thing today, and it said just because I give you advice doesn't mean I'm smarter than you. It just means I've done more stupid stuff than you. So that's what we, we're going to share a lot of stupid stuff that we've done. Yeah. Um, but we've also learned from our mentors have told us the stupid stuff they've done. So we've learned from them. So we want to just encourage um, that, that working smarter, not harder. Right. So if you are listening to this and understanding this, this 10 years concept, what I'm, what we're going to shift to is I want you to start thinking about intentionally building that model so that you can work those 10 years. We're going to talk about what that work is in a minute. Um, but I want to give you just a, a couple of, of um, thoughts just to understand in this 10 years, no plan's perfect. Work your plan. But have a plan. Have a plan. Intentionally build a model. Uh, as, as Farron, I started, we told you last week that we spent five years with no model, no purpose mm. in our parenting or, or mm. marriage and that kind of stuff. Um, when we had our, our first son, we were still working on the model. And we spent several nights, you know, as we were sitting there together, she'd be feeding him or I'd be holding him or doing some of those kind of things. And, and we're working on our model. We're, we're building our model together. But we had started putting into place with him everything we could do and that we knew to do at that moment at the time right our model has grown as our children have grown but we start the the biggest thing that i think we did was start right we just started somewhere so wherever you are in your parenting journey if your kids are little if you're just about to have kids um, if your kids are, are teenagers or even if they're grown and out of the house you can still build a model for your family 
and start intentionally moving towards that model. And even if you don't have kids. Even if you don't have kids. You're you can, a family. You're a family. There is a family of a husband and a wife. And um, moving intentionally towards a model, just start. You'll never have the plan perfect. Um, our, our oldest, for a lot of things, has been kind of a perfectionist. And sometimes he struggles to get started because he wants to know everything before he goes. And, and our encouragement to him, particularly through his model, is, hey, let's just get started. Let's see where it goes. Let's take the next step. What do we know to do next? Let's do it. Let's start and move something towards the direction of how we want to go. Um, the other thing in building a model and working in this 10 years is I think we have to have a proper perspective of time. I think we have to have yeah. a good time philosophy. Uh, again, I told you I spent a little time in seminary while we were out in Seattle. I did not graduate seminary. Don't. Don't start thinking that I have an advanced degree. I don't. Fair does. She she's way smarter than I am. Um, but we I started seminary and in one of my seminary classes, one of my professors came in and he's like, Hey, you need to understand a good philosophy of time because it's important for you to be able to organize your activities and accomplish the things you need to in proper time management because time was created before the fall. Time was created when God set the, the sun and the moon into motion and how the, the world was going to interact with light and darkness. He created time. So we, as, as man, through different people, have created a system to quantify time. Measure time. Measure, it, measure time, I guess is a better way to say that. That's right. So we can measure it and say that's an hour. That's, God, God doesn't deal in that kind of time. God deals in, in his time, in time frame. But the philosophy of time is that it is good because a lot of things we hear is, well, I don't have time to do that. Almost like time is our enemy. Yeah. Time is an enemy. Oh, they're growing too fast. Or, oh, I don't have time. Oh, I got to work. Oh, they got, the kids are doing this. Our culture kind of celebrates being busy and putting a lot of effort into just everything and spending a lot of time doing things. When I was working um, in the construction industry um, early on, I spent a lot of time at work because that's how you moved forward. You were the first one on the job site. You were the last one to leave. You spent that's hours. How you, that's how you bought respect. That's basically. how you bought respect. You bought respect with time, time in the chair, time in the seat, those kind of things. I'm not saying those things are bad, but when that becomes the focus, and, and there was a time in our marriage where I, I got off focus and was focused on that rather than our model, it, we struggled. And it was difficult for us as we were raising kids and being together. And, and we'll talk about that in a little bit, but um, having a proper perspective of time helps you understand if God created time and time is good, then we have time in a day to accomplish everything God has called us to. And I, I'm going to take a little bit of a tangent here and talk about calling, because I think uh, a lot of people misunderstand and misrepresent calling, and they feel like, okay, okay, God is calling me to a job, or God is calling me to a ministry, or God is calling me to these things, and what. I feel like I've come to understand what God has shown me is that God ultimately is calling us to himself. That's it. In the first episode, I told you about Farron and I moving to Seattle and how we went to the church. And it was the first time we'd ever been to the church. We didn't know this pastor from anybody. We'd never met him before. And he stands up and says he's going to Seattle. And then Farron and I, when we get in the truck, say, we're going to Seattle too. And we would have told you in that moment and even for those years where we, we were going, that God was calling us to Seattle. We had the peace. We felt the peace. Like the peace was very 
evidence. Right. We knew God was moving us that direction. But ultimately, what we've come to understand is that God was not calling us to Seattle. God didn't need us in Seattle. No. He didn't need us to go and, and love people and encourage people and share Jesus. He was already there. God was already in Seattle working in the lives of those people, and he could have used whoever was there, however was there, to reach those people and love them. What God was calling us to was to himself, was to understanding him as as our provider, to understanding him as our encouragement. Because when we got there, we were very alone. We didn't know anybody. But we had to lean on God and understand a different perspective of God. So God was calling us to himself through what we experienced in Seattle. So God can call you to himself and is calling you to himself through the experiences, even with your kids. Like that is a significant calling on your life. God is the only one that can create and sustain life. He created those kids for you in this moment to call you to himself. I have been allowed to walk alongside several teen teen parents, teen moms, and the the many times that I have watched him call those those parents, even teen dads, those parents back, like call him, call them to him through those babies, is is unbelievable. So yes. So just understand that God has called you into this parenting role that you're in. If you're a step parent, if you are. Uh, a single parent, whatever role that you play as a parent, God has orchestrated your life and called you to be that parent. You have time, whatever that is. Well, he's called you to, he's calling you to himself. He's calling through, you to himself through the role, through of, the role of being a parent. So you have time to accomplish that. So if, if you are of the mind, well, I don't have time to invest in my kid. I don't have time to do this model. I don't have time to do it this way. It is a hundred percent in your control and understanding of who God is to say he's, He's built me for this. I have time for it. I need to, to focus on it. So um, feel free to email us and, and say, hey, I totally disagree with your philosophy there. Um, you're perfectly entitled to, to do that, and I'll probably just delete it. But that's just who I am as a person. So um, one of the things that we did want to share is, is as we are working in this model and living this model, I told you that I was working a lot. And, again, our culture kind of celebrates this idea of being busy. Um, I was working and people say, oh, I'm working 70, 80 hours. I was legitimately working 70 or 80 hours a week. I left in the morning before the sun came up and I did not come home until after the sun went down. It was dark. My children were in bed most of the time I was at home. And again, we had the model at this point. We had this model of what we were aiming at, but I had shifted my focus from our model to, I want to provide better for my family. I've got to grow. So I'm, I'm modeling something for my children of working hard and being gone. But that's not the model that Fair and I agreed to. And Fair and I came to me. Fair came to me one. Uh, it was an, an evening. She, I think she had a really hard day with one of the kids. I don't remember the exact circumstances. I just remember her face. And she came and she was so loving and gentle the way that she did it. Um, I'm, I don't like to be challenged. I'm, I'm kind of a hard head about some things. But she came very lovingly and said, hey, I'm going to need you. <laughs> Get a little emotional there. <laughs> um, she said, it's not, it's not today. It, it may, it's not this week. It may not even be this year. But your kids are going to need you, and I need you to be there. 
And that shifted and changed the trajectory of my career path because I didn't, I didn't make time to do what I was built to do and what God was calling me to through parenting. So it shifted. I, I ended up changing jobs and, and that'll, I'm sure those stories will, will kind of come up through uh, different parts of the podcast. Um, but that song, the cat's in the cradle, um, I think it's Harry Chapin or something. I don't know. I it's on my phone. I'm not going to sing it for you. Um, but children will end up, make no mistake about it, they will end up emulating what we model for them. So I was modeling a lifestyle of being gone all, all the time, neglect, neglecting the family, all that kind of stuff. My children were going to emulate that just like they did in the song. And, and at the end of the song, it says, my boy had grown up just like me. But you were you were chasing good things. I was. I wanted to provide for our family. Those yes. were good things. I wanted yes. to to make more money. So I was I was trying to get right. promotions and, and get raises and get more bonuses yes. and those kind of things because I wanted I, truly my heart truly was I wanted to take care of our family because I knew my kids were going to need braces. I was going to have to get cars for them one day and pay for car insurance and go to college and and all those kind of things. But ultimately, what I had to understand was God was going to take care of that if I focused on the model that he had led us to, he had time for it. He knew where it was going. He was already in the future. He knew what my life was going to look like. And and the shifts that we've made brought me back to a place where I could, okay, now I'm focused on our model again. I'm focused on parenting and loving my children. I'm focused on leading and loving my wife and my family. So as you are listening to some of this information and you're hearing this disclaimer episode of, of the work and some of that work is going to be making some changes in your life that may not be comfortable, but it answers that calling and you're moving towards that calling of who God is calling you to be through your kids. Um, but the last thing that we'll say before we move on to kind of defining the work and helping you understand what those work items are going to be is you can't delegate this. You, you can't delegate to the school or the church um, Farah has spent a lot of time in, in therapy sessions with speech therapy, helping people understand that those things are resources, but they, you can't delegate parenting to other people. You can't outsource that work that you've got to do for 10 years. There's nowhere that you can push it off to. You got to do it. Yeah. One, one vivid memory that I have is this, this one sweet grandmother and she had already raised her kids, but she, um, through unfortunate, um, circumstances of not of the parents, not of the parents' choices. It was just, it was just a sad situation. She ended up, um, having custody after, um, her daughter had passed away. And so, um, we were in a, in a session and, and I, you know, we were going over some of the things that the teachers were having trouble with, with this particular sweet, precious thing in kindergarten. And one of the things was turn-taking, and, and she, you know, was trying so hard to understand, you know, what I was saying. And I, I asked her, well, what kind of practices could we, you know, could, is she getting at home? What kind of turn-taking practice are y'all doing at home? And she just looked back at me and she was like, well, I didn't think that I, that was my responsibility. I thought that was, that was on the school, like the school was going to teach her that. And, 
Um, this was foreign to me because not only was I a speech language pathologist, I was raised by a speech language pathologist. My mom was one. And so I had been trained at home for the things that I had to use, like turn taking and, and listening skills and stuff like that. I had been trained by that, you know, like that in the home. And it was hard to sit across from this particular grandmother because she was the first one that ever brought that up to me. But that is a common thought that they're going to learn that at school or they're going to learn that at church. And church and school are support structures for for the parent, but it really is up to us um, to put in that effort to find those resources and to train those things at home. Right. So you can't delegate the work. Can't delegate it. You've got to do it. So what is the work? <laughs> what do you have to do? Um, the hardest work, the, the I guess the, the most important baseline work um, that Farrah and I try to, to help people understand is that you have to study your kids. Now, there's way too much about studying your kids to talk about in this episode because we've only got a couple minutes left. We're trying to keep them under kind of a 30-minute time frame. But um, studying your kids is going to be a couple of episodes later on down the road, so you hear all that. But one of the things in studying your kids is you may even have to learn a new language because teenagers particularly speak everything in feels and emotions, and I feel this and I feel that. But we as parents have kind of grown out of that feel into more logical. I'm not saying that everybody's a logical thinker and all that. But we see what a teenager does, and we're like, oh, that's a terrible idea. Well, we know it's a terrible idea because we've been through it. We also have hindsight. But we have don't. hindsight. They don't have that. So you've got to learn how to communicate a logical idea to an emotional teenager. You're, you're literally speaking, you know, English versus Spanish or, or whatever different languages you like, I mean, German whatever. or whatever. Yeah. It's different languages. So you're going to have to learn a different language, and that's a lot of work. You have to think about things. You have to pause. you got to take a step back and say, hey, let me think about this, and let's get back together in a minute. But linguistically, the good thing is we have all spoken that language before. Right. We maybe just, it's better we say we relearn it. We language. relearn it because we're just not fluent in it now. Right. Right. So maybe we just got to relearn it. Um, the, the work is repetitive and constant because they are constantly learning. I think you so we're constantly some, teaching, yes. Right. It's very repetitive. We've already said it's repetitive, but we're repeating the fact that it's repetitive because it is very repetitive. They are constantly learning in the middle of the day and in the middle of the night. You are constantly teaching in the middle of the day and in the middle of the night, and it can be tiring. Right. So um, the other word is foxhole parenting is kind of what we call it. Um, those of you guys that have been through history classes and stuff understand that this concept of foxhole relationships, people who were in a foxhole together, experiencing the war from that perspective, from where they were, formed very unique bonds that because they were all in this foxhole together, their relationships lasted and outlasted some of the other relationships they had with people that fought in the same war at the same place. But because they were foxhole together, spent that time together, they formed unique relationships. So foxhole parenting is getting in that battle with your kids. Your kids are going to battle every day. When they go to school, they're battling self-esteem issues. They're battling kids who don't like them. They're battling teachers who they don't understand. They're battling homework assignments. And they're battling the enemy of their soul. They're battling the enemy of their soul, too. So they are in a battle. Get in the battle with them. Sit down. Now, I'm not saying show up at middle school and hang out with your kids all the time. That's not what I'm saying. You don't need to carry their backpack. And that's not foxhole parents. But know what they're reading. Know and, what they're reading. And for school. And know what 
lessons they have in math and no, yeah. Get, get in there with them. Ask them how their day was. Pick them up from school if you can. Say, hey, look, I got to bug out early today because I want to pick my kid up. And when you pick them up, say, hey, how was your day? Tell me about it. I want to know. And if they give you the, fine, start asking questions. Hey, did you see so-and-so today? How's your buddy so-and-so? And you're going to start to hear, oh, we're not really friends anymore, or oh, I don't really get to hang out with them. And you're going to start to get a picture of what your kid's dealing with, so that you, not so that you can fix it. No. The goal is to not fix, you're not trying to fix everything, but to understand, hey, my my kid's kind of lonely. And just to be able to say, that stinks sometimes. Right. <laughs> if you can't pick them up, again, you have time for everything that, that God has built you for. But if you can't pick them up for some reason, text them and say, hey, man, I'm so excited about seeing you tonight. And I can't wait to hear about your day. I want to know what's going on. Ask them about their day. Get in the foxhole with them and build that relationship. So we want you to understand that you want to do things with them. If you're, I'm not saying start coaching your kid's soccer team or basketball team. Um, Farron and I tell a story. <laughs> we, we got into scouts when our, our oldest son was in first grade. They came around, they did some promo, they gave him a little thing, said, hey, if you show up, you'll get some baseball cards and some baseball tickets. And uh, so we showed up and we did, uh, we, we got into scouts. When we started scouts and I wasn't anything. I was just a dad bringing my kids to scouts. Well, it wasn't run very well. He never well. went to scouts himself. I never went to scouts himself. <laughs> it was terribly unorganized. It wasn't really any fun. And I'm a control freak. If you know me or you don't know me, just understand, I am a control freak. I like things to do a certain way. So I took over the the den, the small group for my kids' scouts, and then I ended up taking over the big group, which was the pack, and I was running the pack <laughs> and the den. I ran a den for my uh, two boys, so two different dens, and I ran the pack. And we were I was not doing that to know my children better. This is one of those places we got away from the model. Right. I, I, got <laughs> in the, I didn't get in the foxhole with them. I just wanted it done my way. So – if you are running their basketball program or whatever so that you can do it your way and you want them to coach a certain – no, that, that's not foxhole parenting. Foxhole parenting is showing up at the game and saying, hey, I enjoyed watching you play. We got beat by 50 points. I don't care. I enjoyed it. I loved it. I love watching you out there, and you had a great time. That's getting in the foxhole with your kid. Um, you can do the same thing from coaching chair. Just understand if your goal is not building a relationship with your kid, it's probably not foxhole parenting. So uh, I'm going to read this. Uh, next one because Farah told me she wanted me to say it exactly like this on the podcast. So the second part of this statement is don't use relationship to modify behavior. If the only reason you're building relationship with your kids is to um, get them to act a certain way or to do a certain thing for you, that that's not the goal. Relationship is the goal. That's, that's the bottom line, brass tack, end result, end goal, all of it. Is relationship for us again I told you you're gonna hear a relationship bias from us right but we don't use our relationship to try to modify our children's behavior we're not behavior modification people we are relationship people we want to have a relationship and I want my children to choose things because of our relationship not do things not try to manipulate our relationship and the authority that we have to get them to act a certain way because ultimately that's going to break down. We expect them to have bad behavior sometimes. Right. And our, our kids are going to behave bad. And if you know our kids, you may have seen some bad behavior. We'll probably tell you that we have had bad behavior. <laughs> so I, I have had bad The behavior. relationships in our family she are not. She said that. <laughs> I've been looking at you the whole time. Oh, the relationships in our family are not based on behavior. 
So. Well said. Um, last thing, talking about the work, what is the work defining this work that you've got to do for 10 years? Um, for us, the hardest part of the work was committing to the model. So as we were working through the model and, and trying to raise our children in this model, one of the, there would be times that come up that we would literally look at each other and we would say, we don't want to do that. Like we just didn't want to do it. It was hard. We were tired. Our, our kids were wearing us out. They wanted a bunch of different million things. And we, we would literally lay in bed and say, we don't want to do this. But this is what the model says we're going to do because this is what we want later. So committing, and we'll share some of those. Like, we'll share those as we get through them. But committing to the model, again, no plan's perfect. Work your plan. Commit to it. Commit to that picture and that dream of what you want to have for your family. I mean, can we share Saturday real fast? I mean, you can. You share because I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, okay, so Saturday we divided and conquered. Except for, well, we were kind of together for a minute. Our son got a paintball gun for Christmas, and he, it's amazing to watch him with this because he just he loves it so much and he gets energized by it and so we it was freezing saturday it was cold we went to we initiated taking going to to paintball um to to shoot it and to to look we even took the 10 year old girl and let her shoot it at the range um and then she and i came back home and played with the american girl dolls and so we were dividing and conquering and we were tired not that we didn't want to but we were exhausted and so it was it was hard but our commitment to to loving each other and to knowing studying and to to giving them some shared experiences that that was commitment to the model right so um again every every episode we want to leave you with an activity that you can do um we are excited about this activity um, I will take no credit for this one. I think I could take credit for maybe last week. You can, you can. But I can't take credit for this one. I don't think I did I mean, anything for this one. But uh, Farrah is going to tell you the activity that she's got planned, but then also the resource uh, for this week. We're not going to do a book. Last week we recommended the book Scary Close. And the activity kind of goes along with that teleological thought too. It goes along with with effort, but it also goes with that take your relationship where you want it to go. Um, we, I think we talked about that path of least resistance um, and being water. And one of the things that we have done repeatedly is an aluminum foil waterfall on a hill. And basically, if you put the aluminum foil out, the water goes the path of least resistance. You just don't, lay it out flat. It's not a whole lot of fun. Right. <laughs> so it, it takes some effort. So you have to roll up the sides and, you know, kind of make a river with a very long piece of aluminum foil. And you can, if you put it on a hill, you can like curve people it. People who are very specific out there, very long, or you mean like 30 feet or do you mean like five feet? Not five. Five is not long enough. I would okay. go at least 10 feet. Okay. All right. Um, and it, it, I would go, I would, if you cannot, I would buy a Reynolds wrap if you can buy Reynolds wrap aluminum foil um, for this, just so that it doesn't tear very easily. Mm. But but any, I've used everything. I've used like basic, great value aluminum foil, um, and it's worked. So, but you want to roll up the sides and mold it and curve it, and then you know put some obstacles in it, some rocks, put some stuff. Up. It takes some effort to get this river the way you want it on a hill, and then run the river down it. But the the 
after is so much fun. And just watching what your kids put by it and how they take little leaves and make trees out of them and just all the imagination that goes into it. But yeah. Right. And the but, rocks are shaping the water where you want to go on purpose. Taking the water where you like want it to get. It's aluminum foil too. You're molding it and you're taking the water where you want it to go on purpose and working together as a team, as a family. And then our resource we're going to put in our show notes is a blog about a miss you mission. Um, this is a resource that I wrote. I'm not always going to give you resources, but I come from, I was, I was a child of divorce and, and from a very early age. So I don't remember a time of not missing someone. And then when I went into the nursing home and I could see these families towards the ends of their relationship, I could see how they were planning to miss each other once death separated them um, until they were reunited again. And so I created this resource to help. It, it has worked in our family with spend the nights and when kids went away to eighth grade camp and when we went away to do whatever we were going to do and and we're going to re- rework it and rewrite it for our, our oldest to go to college next year. Um, but this is a good tradition and thing to kind of incorporate in, you know, planning for separations and work with separation anxiety. But it also goes along with that, seeing that end goal and, and focusing on how you want to be remembered. However you want to be remembered with your kids, what you want them to remember about you, you have to, you have to do those things now for them to remember them when you're gone. All right. So that's the uh, content we got. We got a little longer uh, on this episode. Hopefully you stuck with us. Um, but again, if you got any questions, comments, emails, pictures of uh, aluminum coil river Woo-hoo. at model parenting podcast at gmail.com. Um, also, if you want to just like the show, share the show, share the show with a friend who maybe you think could use some encouragement. Um, but uh, subscribe to the podcast and uh, hopefully you'll, get some information as we go through this next week. Um, I think next week we're planning on having the kids in. Um, we'll, we'll definitely do, Dax, I think. I think definitely Dax, but we'll, we're, we're hopefully going to let you see some interaction with the model um, so that you can start to understand maybe if, if how that might shape into your family and some of those things. So hopefully you enjoy your family, enjoy your kids. And uh, if you have any questions, shoot us an email. But thanks again for listening.